Welcome to Great Points, financial insights for improving your relationship with money. I'm Matt Schroeder, Certified Financial Planner and Director of Financial Planning at Great Point Wealth Advisors, a fee-only registered investment advisory firm with offices in Boston and Danvers, Massachusetts. In today's episode, uh, we're going to talk about a question that I get from time to time from clients and uh, provide some education around the topic and kind of give you a sense of, you know, where those questions are coming from and what the motivation is. So um, the question I get from time to time is, um, should we put our house in a trust or do we need to put our house in a trust? And I typically get this question from a few different groups of clients. Uh, the first is retiring individuals or couples. So, you know, they're, things are changing in their life. They're leaving their job. They're starting to get, you know, thinking about the, the future. And, you know, one unfortunate aspect of the future is, is death or, or illness. And they've heard through the grapevine that they need to do a trust planning. So that's kind of a question that tends to come up. Others, it's uh, due to recent loss of a spouse or a loved one. Um, and now all of a sudden, uh, there's a little bit of anxiety or fear that, you know, if, if I need some medical care, now the house is going to be, you know, taken from us or we're going to lose the house. Um, so, you know, understanding their motivation during that time frame. Uh, and then the last is uh, individuals dealing with aging parents. Uh, and oftentimes they're dealing with parents that didn't do the proactive planning. So that house uh, is now still in the parent's name and Bills are starting to creep up and there's concerns about healthcare liens and how do they cover the cost of care. Um, and, and it's not uncommon for the, the equity in that home to be used or earmarked for providing some form of medical or, or, or care towards the end of life. Um, and sometimes, you know, leads to anxiety or resentment that they didn't do more to protect the house. And if they could have gotten, uh, you know, some of the government resources, um, that would have been wouldn't better. Um, but, you know, this type of planning is not very easy to chat about. Uh, some people don't want to talk about it at all. Others, uh, you know, maybe skewed a little bit too much towards the, the protective side. Um, so I thought we'd start with a little bit of education and understanding about different types of trusts. So, when people say, should I put my house in trust? I always say, what type of trust are you talking about? And that's usually where our dialogue starts. Uh, then we'll talk through some of your motivations of why you might consider doing some trust planning and uh, end with some of the common mistakes that, um, you know, between talking with other state, with talking with estate planning attorneys uh, and other financial planners, some of the common mistakes that people make when both talking about trust planning and then the execution and the follow through. Um, so let's talk about the different types of trusts first. Um, there's a lot of different trusts out there when it comes to real estate. Uh, one common type of trust, or ultimately uh, everything kind of boils down to three major types. So the first is what's called a revocable trust. And a revocable trust means you can change it, it is revocable. Um, and that type of trust is usually set up by an individual or a couple. And the individual and couple are the ones who put the asset into the trust. So they're the grantors of the trust. Um, they're also typically the trustees and the beneficiaries of the trust. So it's their money, they're controlling it, um, but they want to have it in trust for, for other uh, logistical planning that we'll talk through in a little bit. Um, so a re revocable means you have full control. There's no separate uh, tax issues. Everything is basically like you own it. It just has a different name on it. Um, the, the second type of trust 
is called, or essentially is an irre irrevocable trust, which means irre irrevocable or irrevocable means you cannot change it. Um, so the reason why you want to use a trust like this is you want to get it outside of your name. So if someone was worried about being you know, sued or having connection to these assets, they might want to put it in an irrevocable trust so it's protected. It's not in their name. It's not in their estate. Um, an irrevocable trust uh, is, a, is a permanent decision, um, so it should not be done lightly. Um, sometimes we'll require some additional entity work, uh, so maybe creating a new tax identification number. Sometimes we can require additional tax filings at the end of the year if it's a rental property or if there's income from the trust. Um, and also requires having external trustees. So you might appoint your children as trustees or a, a professional advisor that, that you have a trusting relationship with. Um, but you have to um, hope that they do the, what you want them to do with that asset because technically you're no longer in control. Um, and then the final type of trust, not really a trust, but more of a, a tactic is uh, known as a life estate. So sometimes uh, families will, they don't want to go through the trust work, but they'll, they'll create what's called a life estate. And the simplest version is it says mom and dad can live in this house as long as they're alive. Um, but upon passing, uh, the asset is, the, is in ownership of the children's names. And, um, you know, like I said, it's some, maybe a little more cost effective up front than creating trust planning and other things. Um, but there's, there are other uh, issues because technically the kids own the home uh, immediately. So uh, if they're dealing with any other issues or concerns, um, that asset might show up in their, uh, under, under their assets. So a life estate basically says, you know, this is the house that mom and dad have been in for 50 years. They want to be here until the day they die. But we want to make sure it's not in their name when the time, if they ever need any type of medical care or assistance, um, they don't own the house anymore. So. Uh, so you basically have revocable, irrevocable, or a life estate. And there's various nuances of each one. And some are called Medicaid trusts. You might have realty trusts. And um, there's a lot of different versions that come along with it. But ultimately, they kind of fall into those three buckets for, for the purpose of today's discussion. Um, so when someone says, you know, should I put my house in trust? The first thing we want to explore is what's your motivation? So why a trust? Uh, and usually the most common response I get is I heard it on the radio or a friend did it and told me I had to do it, or I was at a seminar and they were talking about it and I didn't fully understand it, but it sounded like a really good idea. Um, so sometimes there's a little bit of peer pressure that's, you know, trying to get people to, uh, do trust planning, either a, a sibling or a, or a spouse or a child or an adult child or, or your favorite radio broadcaster. Um, so if, if peer pressure is the motivation, you know, obviously you really need to, you're going to start with education. So if you're, uh, if you basically got the idea and you have no idea what exactly it is, you're going to really, you know, dig in to find out what, what did they mean by trust planning and, and, and what's the right thing for, for, for you. Um, other, other types of trusts are created to, for privacy issues. So when you create a trust, essentially the, the name of the trust becomes the owner of the asset. So let's say you, know, you bought a property and you didn't want the neighbors knowing who you were. So instead of you know, the Mary and Joe Smith owning the house, you might have it named in the, um, you know, the, the, the cool neighbors trust. And all the public records will read the who bought the house, the cool neighbors bought the house. So you, they never actually know the name of the owners 
Um, so you, you know, some people do um, uh, trust planning for privacy reasons. And what a lot, a lot of people don't realize is if you have a will and your will goes through um, you know, the simplified probate process or probate, um, that is a public event. So all probatable assets are, are published for the public to see. So for some individuals that want their estate to transition in a private situation, they might choose to own their home in a trust uh, for privacy reasons. Um, the second primary reason that people usually set up trusts is, is to avoid probate. So I just mentioned that earlier. Um, one aspect of avoiding probate is for privacy. The other is the cost of probate. So in some states, probate is relatively simple. There's nominal costs or fees uh, to process your state and get, you know, what basically probate is, is, you know, reading the will and making sure there's no debts or, you know, anyone contesting the estate um, and then basically transitioning the assets to the beneficiaries of that will. Um, but in some states, uh, probate can be a little bit more uh, onerous. So sometimes it's more costly. Sometimes it's more time consuming. So if you don't have a complex estate, or if you do have a complex estate, you don't necessarily want to go through probate. Um, and also if, if individuals have assets in different states, so let's say you have a vacation home in Maine and a, a cottage in Florida and your primary residence in Massachusetts, um, some states might require you to go through probate in all three of those states if you all you have is a basic will. So in those situations, avoiding probate could be a primary responsibility. Um, and you know, all types of trust will will help to do that. Um, the other, uh, you know, most probably the most common reason why people start talking about trust planning is they want to make sure the majority of their assets are safeguarded to pass on to their children. And ultimately, here we're talking about the 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 cost of healthcare and the cost of long-term care needs for aging individuals. So uh, often known as Medicaid planning. So if, if you have assets and either you or your significant other um, need some form of medical care and you know, nursing home care or assisted living, um, the expectation is that you pay for that out of pocket if you don't have a, a, a private insurance plan. Um, and your health insurance does not cover long-term care. So unless you have a specialized long-term care policy, you're going to be expected to pay out of pocket. And for individuals that don't have money to pay those bills, there are government resources like Medicaid and um, some, some um, you know, state health care systems that will cover the cost of care in certain types of in institutions um, or medical facilities. But if you have any money, the government says, we'll spend your money first. We're not going to supplement your care unless you don't have any money. So a, a common strategy in the estate planning world is Medicaid planning, which basically means is if I can get all of my assets out of my name, then on paper, I don't have any money and I could qualify for some of the state assistance or federal assistance. Um, and there's a lot of rules that come along with this. And there's a lot of people um, inspecting and auditing to make sure it's done right. And you know, with state budgets as they are, um, you know, they realize that there, there may be some loopholes that they're trying to, to find ways to make sure that assets are not being passed around these loopholes. Um, but typically, most people, when they start talking about trust planning, that's their primary motivation. They want to avoid Medicaid. And when we talk about these trusts, a, a revocable trust, so the one with the most flexibility does not avoid any type of Medicaid or does not do any of that type of planning. 
it, you know, if you want to put it as simple as possible, if you have a lot of control and flexibility, it's your money, you're not going to avoid Medicaid. Um, the only way to uh, you know, qualify for some of those, those resources is to, you can't have money in your name. So an irrevocable trust or a life estate it, uh, are events where you're actually giving the money away, giving it to a different entity. Um, so in those situations, if you've done that, and you know, some states have a five-year look back, others it's different. Um, but if you've done that in, with enough time in advance, technically those assets are not yours. So when you go to fill out the forms, um, you might be closer to qualifying. Um, so, you know, so the, the other advantage of trust, and you know, we talked about the, the primary three, uh, are avoiding, avoiding lawsuits. So if you're concerned about legal issues based on your work history, or maybe you own a, a real estate property and you're worried about tenant lawsuits, sometimes trusts or various entities can create a, a firewall between your personal assets and the assets in the, in the real estate. So in certain situations, you might decide to do some trust planning to minimize legal issues if they were to arise. So, um, so, and there's probably other motivations out there, but those are the ones that most of my clients are dealing with. And I would probably say 99% of clients working with advisors are concerned about or dealing with. Um, you know, there are other trusts that get into, you know, marital issues or second marriages and, and divorce and things like that. But um, for the purpose of today, we're going to talk primarily about those ones. Um, so, you know, as a, as a client or as someone who's thinking about trust planning, the first question you're going to ask is, what's my motivation? What am I trying to accomplish? Um, am I trying to just keep things private or am I trying to safeguard assets? Um, so and then that motivation will lead you to the question of, well, what type of trust is what I need to do in order to achieve that goal? And then the final question you have to ask is at what cost? And so any type of trust planning, you're going to usually require a, a, an estate planning attorney or legal help. Um, there may be online resources, but I would highly encourage you, you know, not to do it yourself on this type of planning. Um, so you're going to have some legal costs uh, or setup costs, and they can range, you know, depending on you know how well you know the attorney and where you are, you know, geographically. Um, but let's say they, you know, somewhere between three to ten thousand dollars for startup costs uh, is a very broad range. Um, and then some trusts will require ongoing maintenance. So if it has an entity issue or there's some tax planning involved you might have to file a separate tax return or do some letters each year for the trustees. Um, so you have to think about the costs of ongoing maintenance uh, and what that's gonna look like. And then the, the final uh, additional costs are what, what's it gonna save us in the end? So at the end is the, all these costs I'm incurring, is it going to reap the benefit I'm hoping it's going to, to get either by avoiding medical costs or possibly tax issues or tax planning, um, or just in logistics, you know, making sure it's, it's all set up properly. So in the event something were to happen, your kids or your, your beneficiaries have a clean uh, execution strategy on how to, how, to, how to settle things at the end. Because um, the last thing you want is uh, the money that you hoped would go to your kids being kind of stuck in limb for years while there's some bickering or unnecessary paperwork that has to be done. So the other, the final cost that you really have to weigh is the cost of control. 
So we talked about in order for you to get a lot of the tax incentives or medical benefits is you have to give up control. And as much as you may want to protect all of your assets for your kids and, and, and do this type of Medicaid planning, if you're a 65 year old couple who's in, in, health, in good health, the likelihood that you need any type of care in the next 15 or 20 years is probably on the low side. So is it, is it smart to give up full control of one of your largest assets by putting that house into an irrevocable trust, not knowing what may come down, down the road? And you know what could come down the road is one of you unexpectedly passes away. So now all of a sudden, the other one still has many years to go and may end up you know, remarrying or needing those dollars for other things, but that house is not theirs anymore. It's in the trust. And if the kids don't agree with what the, the surviving parent's plan is, they don't necessarily have to do what that's, that surviving parent is telling them to do because they're trustees of this asset. They're not, it's not their money anymore. So um, that, that loss of control early on can, can, be a ham, can hamstring some people with their financial situations. Um, so the loss of control is a, is a big thing. Um, and then also, you know, figuring out who to trust. If you do give up control, you know, who's going to be our trustees, you know, which of our kids is the right one, or if none of our kids are, you know, we believe to be financially savvy, you know, are we going to trust an attorney? And what if that attorney is not around when we need him to be around? So, you know, that loss of control and the cost of control can be a significant factor. So, um, like I said, this is not an easy topic to talk about. It's not always an easy, uh, topic to figure out the right strategy. And finally, it's also a difficult one for people to pull the trigger and execute on because there's so many uh, decisions that have to be made then, and rarely is it uh, urgent. So everyone feels like they've got more time until they don't. And then sometimes it's too late. So if you're at all going down this path of thinking about it, you know, do your homework on the types of trusts, start thinking about um, who would be the people that you would you know, uh, trust to act on your behalf or protect your assets or look after these, these resources. Um, and then I'll kind of leave you with some of the more common mistakes that we, uh, I've observed and, and in talking with other, and we're talking with estate planning attorneys and other financial planners that um, are kind of things that get missed. Um, so sometimes people will create a trust. So they do all their homework, they, they realize they need a trust, they get the trust drawn up. And then the most important aspect of having a trust is actually putting money in the trust or putting a home in the trust. And sometimes they get the trust done, but then they never fund it. So the, the step of actually adding an asset or adding a home to that trust uh, is probably the most important part and sometimes gets missed. So if you have ever created a trust, go back and make sure that there's something in it. And if you're thinking about creating a trust, make sure the attorney you're working with, whoever's guiding you, um, is answering that question. You know, you know, six months after the trust was created, go back and check. Did, did things get funded properly? <clears throat> the other things they, that when you're dealing with trusts is banks like to lend to people. They don't like to lend to trusts because trusts don't necessarily have income or don't maybe have other assets to secure those loans. So um, if you have a home and you want to refinance your house or take an equity line and your home is in trust, sometimes you have to take the home out of the trust and put it back in your name, which if it's revocable, it's doable. If it's irrevocable, it's very difficult. Um, and then do the home financing. And at some point you, you would probably decide to put the house back in trust. 
So it, some people will get the trust and then a year later go, well, I was thinking of refinancing and now they have to undo the trust, refinance, redo the trust. And it's just a lot of additional logistics. So if you are considering refinancing or thinking about you know, a new mortgage at some point, uh, maybe have that discussion first before you start talking about trust planning. If you do have a trust and you decide to refinance, uh, the other mistake I've seen people make is they, they do the step of getting it out of the trust, they refinance, and then they forget to put it back in. Um, and now all of a sudden, you, all the work and effort you've done for trust planning has been unwound because you wanted to get a new mortgage. So if you do happen to refinance inside a trust, make sure you put the house back in. Um, and then the final one is really understanding the rules, especially if you're dealing with Medicaid planning or, or uh, you know, life estates, is understanding the rules so to make sure that you don't break the trusts. So if it's not my asset, there's certain things, maybe bills I shouldn't be paying or certain things I shouldn't be doing or decisions I should not have control over. Because um, oftentimes people will do the trusts and then not follow the rules and when then they go to apply for the care that they think this trust has provided them, the auditor may say, well, no, you, you, this really wasn't a, an irrevocable trust because you've been doing and living and taking from it as you want. Um, and you, uh, you, the, you know, the spirit of the trust wasn't there. So we're going to assume that was your asset. And that means we can put a lien on it for medical care and you're not going to get your Medicaid funding. So um, if you do go down the path of irrevocable trust planning or, or something along those lines, make sure you understand the rules and you, you follow them to the T so that when you need the protection of that trust, it's there for you to take. Um, so, you know, when it comes to these uh, trust plannings, you know, sometimes, like I said, you'll hear a radio ad and everyone thinks they've got to do it or you're at a seminar and everyone's got to do it. Um, there's not a perfect answer for everybody out there. There's not a one size fits all approach, um, but there definitely is the right approach for you when it comes to your assets, your home, and, and, and making sure that they're protected for you and for the, the next generation. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. And you know, I, I know legalese can be not the most exciting, but um, definitely if you're contemplating any of these or you have questions, you know, do your homework, ask a trusted advisor, you know, make sure you you, uh, you you do all your research to make sure it is the right thing um, before you, you go forward and start spending money on the process. Have a good day. Now, I hope you can apply some of what you heard today to improve your relationship with money. And thanks again for listening. Until next time, on Great Points with Matt Schroeder. Great Points is hosted by Matt Schroeder. Great Point Wealth Advisors is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Great Point Wealth Advisors does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through Great Points. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.